Thank you for joining us Around the Fire. For more information or to make a donation, please visit randomactsnetwork.com. Now, want to hear a scary story? The Hook Danny and Cindy were enjoying their second date together. They had gone to see a scary movie, splitting a large popcorn and a soda with two straws, and then for a long drive in Danny's car. The warm air coming in through the windows felt like summer waving its final goodbye before the fall. They drove out of town and up to the top of a hill known as the Overlook, also known as the local makeout spot. Danny parked the car, turning off the headlights, and Cindy absorbed the view ahead of her. She could see the entire town of Haddington, though it was just a mess of lights from here. Surprisingly, it was almost romantic. Wanting a change in music, Danny turned the radio dial, catching an emergency news bulletin in progress. Police are still looking for a local fugitive known as the Hookman, on the loose since escaping yesterday from the Maple Grove Mental Hospital and believed to be heading south. Authorities are still unsure how he managed to leave the facility, and though local activists are encouraging a town curfew, the mayor has not yet announced a plan. Cindy looked at Danny with wide eyes. Danny, she whispered, that's so scary. But he held his hand up, shushing her and allowing the bulletin to continue. We're recommending all you lovebirds out there stay in groups and head home as soon as you can. We'll be back with the full story at 10. This is Stretch Barker with CCNN. Danny, please roll your window up, she pleaded. But he was laughing. They're just going to fog back up, he said, looking at her with a cocky smirk. She asked again, but he insisted that they were safe. They said he was going south. That's the other way from us. Why would he climb all the way up here? Unless... He went quiet, and Cindy tried not to panic. What? What is it, Danny? You're not funny. She swatted at him, but he responded coldly. The factory we passed, near the bottom of the hill. That's the old location of the institution. He had to be joking. Cindy yelled at him to shut up, but he went on. Back when the church was still running it. Supposedly a lot of bad stuff happened there, and they shut it down. Some of the patients got sent over to Maple Grove. So what? she asked, trying not to let him hear the shaking in her voice. Was he there before it shut down? Danny took a deep breath, seemingly looking straight ahead into the night. She wondered if he was getting nervous, too. I don't know for sure, he said. But if he was, he turned to her. Who's to say he wouldn't want to come home? For a moment she held her breath, too scared of what the answer could be. Then he gasped, looking through the window behind her. Terrified, she threw herself from her seat to his lap and looked outside, but there was nothing there. Danny was already laughing and tried to pull her in for a kiss, but she firmly declined and pulled herself back to the other side of the car. He's here, Cindy. He held his right hand up, forming the shape of a hook with his fingers, as she begged him to stop. It's the hook man. He's here to murder all the horny teenagers. Nobody laughed at Danny's jokes like Danny did. She couldn't wait to be free from his company and gave him the iciest look she could manage. Take me home. The weight of his body fell back into the driver's seat as he sighed with disappointment. You girls are always afraid of something. 
She didn't even bother to respond as he slid the keys into the ignition and started the car. But just as he did, Cindy swore she could hear a long, faint, scraping sound outside her door. Danny, did you hear that? She asked. He turned off the car, and they returned to silence. No, Danny, don't stop the car. Take me home. I'm going to show you that there's no one there, okay? He looked at her with pleading eyes. If I do that, can we stay? It's not even nine o'clock. She raised her voice for the first time, growing impatient. I don't care what time it is. I want to go home. Somehow, he took this statement as a challenge and exited the car as Cindy screamed after him. He walked in front of the vehicle, over-dramatically looking around and calling out in an exaggerated, macho voice, "'Whoever's there, come out so I can kick your ass!' His voice echoed across the overlook as Cindy squinted into the darkness. She saw nothing but Danny. Finally, he returned to the car and opened the door. "'How was that?' he asked, clearly expecting praise. "'Very impressive. Now can we please go?' "'Whatever.' Exasperated, he let out a dramatic sigh and slammed the door once again, without getting into the car. Cindy rolled her window down and called out, furious as he walked towards the trees. "'Danny, where are you going?' He responded without turning back. "'I'm taking a piss.' She attempted to calm her anger as she exhaled, slightly fogging the windows. Sitting in the dark car alone, she found herself questioning her dating record and vowed to do better. A few minutes passed, and Cindy began to grow anxious. She glanced through the back window to the evergreen trees, but only saw the dark. She turned back around and sat, picking at her nails. Obviously, Danny was going to try and scare her. She wouldn't bother with his stupid games. She sat straight ahead, stone-faced. But several more minutes passed, and she couldn't help but feel that he was awfully committed to the joke. Even someone as stubborn as Danny would have gotten bored by now. Cindy honked the horn, keeping her eyes on the trees behind her. Nothing. She honked again and again, but still quiet. She tried to force back the frustrated tears welling in her eyes. Was he going to keep her out here all night? She continued waiting there, mentally going through her to-do list to pass the time, and thought about her family. She'd likely be grounded for missing curfew, though that would be a good excuse to avoid Danny for a while. She just hoped that they hadn't heard about the lunatic on the loose. As she pondered what she'd say when she got home, it began to rain. A few drops at first, then more and more steady. A storm was expected, but not until the dead of night. She knew Danny would never stay out in the rain by choice, and a deep feeling of dread settled into her stomach when he still didn't return. Looking out her window, she noticed that the glass remained clear, free from droplets or any moisture at all. She looked to the other side, noting the dry window next to the steering wheel. Slowly cranking her window open, she took in the night air. It was dry, almost dusty. It didn't smell like rain. Cindy opened the glove compartment, sifting through papers and trash, but there was nothing of use. She felt underneath her seat and then below the driver's seat, where she touched the body of a long metal flashlight. She pulled it onto her lap, clicking the button, and it spat a bright beam of light into her eyes. Centering herself and breathing deep, Cindy pulled her shoulders through the opening, sitting in the window. She raised the flashlight above, illuminating the trees behind her. There was Danny's gutted body, dangling from the branches that reached over the car, 
A long, open gash ran from the tip of his chin to his groin, the contents from within spilling out and drooping below. The roof of the car was painted brown with blood and guts. It had never rained at all. Cindy screamed, dropping the flashlight under the car and pulled herself back inside, shutting the window, and though all of the air had left her lungs, the scream continued. Pulling herself together, she squirmed to the driver's seat, feeling for the ignition. She knocked into the headlights, turning them on. Only a few feet in front of the car stood the escaped fugitive in his torn and tattered jumpsuit from the sanitarium. He was a massive, hulking man with long, greasy hair and a sprawling, rotting grin peeking from the shadows overtaking his face. Instead of a hand, a long, rusty hook adorned the end of his right arm, dripping with blood. Cindy screamed again and furiously groped the car for the keys. The man stepped toward the car and she fell silent as the horrifying figure stood before her. His left hand opened, gleefully dangling the car keys in the headlights. She pressed on the horn as hard as she could, screaming again with all her might. Why couldn't Danny have left the keys? The lunatic bounded towards her, smashing the driver's side window with his hook. Cindy had already jumped into the back seat and opened the door. As she took her first step into the grass, the man grabbed a handful of her hair, forcing her back into the car. She swatted and hit him, but he didn't flinch. He pulled her face close to his, breathing heavily. His eyes looked hungry, and Cindy was his next meal. His massive, dirty fingers gripped her head with such force that she could feel the hair ripping from her scalp. Her fists landed with less and less force, and she began to accept her fate. Ready for the finale, he pulled her from the back seat by her ankles. She was nearly limp, heavily flopping from the car into the grass with a thud. She couldn't catch her breath. She was feeling faint. The hook man was going to kill her. He fell to his knees, lifting her head from the dirt. They looked at each other, almost agreeing to what would come next, and he raised the hook high above. Then he brought it down, aiming for her throat. But she threw her hand up, mostly by instinct, and deflected the blow. For a moment, they were locked there together. The hook had pierced all the way through her flesh, latching around her wrist. She screamed in agony, attempting to free herself. He pulled back, too, and she felt the muscles in her hand tearing away. And then a glimmer caught her eye from beneath the car. It was the metal casing of the flashlight only a few inches from her free hand. She clutched the light and swung the metal body against his temple with all her strength. At last, her other hand separated from the hook with one final tear, and she followed swiftly with another smash of the lantern directly between his eyes. The man's grip loosened, and he fell onto his back. Cindy flopped through the grass, crawling like an animal towards the trees before pulling herself to her feet. She didn't have to look back to know that he was following. As she sprinted ahead, a waterfall of red gushed from her arm. Her hand was unrecognizable, and at some point he gashed above her shoulder, too. Cindy moved as quickly as she could along the tree line, hoping that she could make it to the bottom of the hill and flag someone along the main road. As she came around a cluster of trees, she saw a car several yards away, parked against the steep hillside of the overlook. The windows were foggy, and she heard the muffled sounds of music. Danny and Cindy weren't the only couple on the hill that night. Screaming for help, Cindy made it to the car, beating against the trunk, then along the windows and finally against the driver's door. Receiving no response, she tried the handle. It was open. 
She threw herself into the empty seat and shut the door. At that moment, her eyes landed on the two corpses in the rearview mirror. The keys were in the ignition, and she started the engine and locked the doors. She wiped the window, trying to clear the condensation, and threw the car into reverse. Cindy backed into the road, trying to ignore the dead couple sitting behind her, and switched to drive. The car was facing the bottom of the hill and the main road. She could lay on the gas and make it to town before the radio switched to the next song. But the lingering monster had appeared in the shadows behind her, and she couldn't help but feel like she could do something more. Switching back into reverse, she pressed the pedal flat. The car lurched backwards, throwing the bodies behind her onto the floor and gained speed as she neared the man. He stepped out of the way just in time and she hit the brakes. He lunged toward the car, smashing the back window with his hook, and reached in for Cindy. She pressed on the gas, but the car hesitated in the mud. The bloody hook grew closer and closer. Finally, the car continued forward, throwing the man to the ground. Cindy twisted the wheel to the side, skidding in a full circle and facing him once again. He lifted himself from the dirt and now stood directly between the car and the steep hill looking into town. As one final primal scream left her lungs, she hurtled the car toward the man and the drop-off. He lifted his hook into the air and began towards the car, shifting to his right to avoid the vehicle. But that's what Cindy anticipated, and she yanked the steering wheel left. The front right of the car barreled into the hookman and, with a loud crunch, launched him over the side of the overlook, down hundreds of feet into the rocky valley below. She wanted to see his body, but she wouldn't stop the car until she made it to safety. As she neared the lights of town, the tears came, along with the full realization of what had just happened. Cindy pulled into the police station and parked. Crying and shaking, she gingerly touched her wounds. She wanted to faint, or at least sleep, until she woke up to find it all a nightmare. But then she remembered that she wasn't alone in the car. Slowly opening the door, Cindy stepped onto the pavement. She was dizzy and shivering, leaving a trail of blood. The rain was moving in now, and the droplets joined the crimson stream running down her arm. She headed towards the station entrance, limping around the back of the car, when her eyes landed on an odd form at the front of the vehicle. Lodged into the metal just above the tire was the man's rusty hook, with the bloody stump still attached at the end. <laughs>